Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am your host, Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am thrilled as always to be with you. And we start with a quote. Today's quote is by Mark Hunter. It's not about having the right opportunities. It's about handling the opportunities. Right. I thought that was a good one. We have an amazing guest for you today. He's full of energy. Yes, we've got two fireballs on for you today. You're going to walk away just totally lifted. Donald Kelly's mission is to evangelize the method of effective selling and motivate sellers of all levels to do big things. As a former top performing technology sales professional who has successfully sold in both the public and private sectors, Donald was able to crack the code of helping teams thrive in sales. Donald has spoken to audiences all across the country, in addition to training sales professionals in workshops, online courses, keynote presentations, and students as an adjunct professor at Brigham Young. Donald is the host of a popular sales podcast called The Sales Evangelist. What's that name? With listeners in over 155 countries and over 3.5 million all-time downloads, wow, it's received a lot of recognition in a ton of different magazines. Let's just bring them on here. Donald, wow, how are you? I am doing so fantastic. Heather, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for uh, bringing me into your community. I, I appreciate it and I'm excited to be here with you today. Oh, well, I'm excited to have you. I think that you're going to give lots of great nuggets to our listeners today. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to start with something related to my topic of moving mm -hmm. from here to fire. And I run across a lot of people in the sales world who, you know, seem to have a lot of confidence, but when it comes to either picking up the phone or making the, you know, asking for the sale, there's this this underlying fear that pops out at the most inopportune moments and keeps them from doing those things. So can you offer a suggestion to anyone who maybe has that heaviness when it comes to taking the actions? Yes. Um, I, I would say like, think about, I heard this quote before um, by another uh, sales educator and the idea that he says is that selling is noble. Um, that's his mantra and his belief. And I, I resonate with that because in so many ways, like you have to go back down to, or we, we should focus more so on the core of why we're selling. I was talking to a friend this morning who kind of shared that uh, some entrepreneurs that he's aware of, they're part of a, you know, some of them are, are doing amazing software, amazing tech. The issue is their sales is not where it needs to be. And uh, some one of them was talking about maybe having to get a job to be able to help support himself during this part. And the, 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 the thing that goes back is that he's afraid of selling. Um, and many entrepreneurs, many sales professionals fall into that category. But if you realize that sales is noble, if you realize that sales is an important part, if you realize that sales is actually helping people, it changes the way that it changes your perspective and you want to reach out now. So one of the things that I like to say, my definition uh, that I've learned over the years is that my role is not to convince somebody to buy, but my role is to help somebody to uh, help somebody convince themselves to make a change that's going to be in, best, in their best interest, for which they will compensate me. And if you think about it from that perspective, uh, if my client has a you know, they, this is a silly, simple example. My client has, um, 
their grass is bad in their front yard. We're in South Florida. Their the grass is horrible um, and they don't know what's causing it, but I know what's causing it and I have a solution for it. But initially they might not necessarily want to be sold something. If I could help them to realize what's their ultimate reason for having a grass, is it to make it look bad? Is it to make it to, you know, to pay uh, HOA fees or is it to have something that looks great in the community and to be able to have your kids play on so you can be safe and don't worry about pests. If that's the case, I'm helping them to realize I'm educating them and helping them to make a purchase my solution that's going to help their grass to achieve that end result. It's not about me. It's helping them to achieve something. So there's something that comes along with this, with sales. It's the notion of recognizing that it's a moral obligation. Whatever product or service you have, if you have a belief in that product or service, I'm getting on tippy toes now, I'm getting excited. But if you have a belief in that product or service, now it's your moral obligation to tell people about that. Whether they purchase or not, that's not the role. And that's the goal. The goal is to help to educate them, educate them enough that they make the decision themselves to make a purchase and to make that investment. I'm just going to bring about result. Now, when you look at it in that sense, in that sense, Fear kinds of this, it, it, fear doesn't become the, the most uh, prevailing thought anymore. Fear becomes a side thing because my big mission is to help people to solve a problem that they may not even know what the problem is, but I need to educate them on that because I believe so much in this solution because I've seen it work so much. And I, it's my moral obligation to go and evangelize or share this with others. That, that pulls fear away. And I'm not going to say fear isn't still there. I mean, I still do a lot of prospecting today. However, I still have fear when I get out there, but I do recognize the fear and I embrace it because I, but I recognize my mission is bigger than that fear. And uh, when I do a speaking, I have a speaking coach and she taught me this idea. I was like, you know, when I was nervous, she would say, don't worry about, don't, don't, don't try to ignore the nervousness. Let's use the nervousness, the energy that you're getting and just funnel it towards something else. Think about yourself, be on that stage and the applause that's coming and the outcome from doing that. So I was taking that energy and excitement and using it in a different way. Same idea with fear. Fear gives you a lot of energy, gives you, you know, gets you a pump, blood pumping. Let's take that and look at it in a different way. Can we take that energy and focus on really solving that problem and helping that client and seeing the excitement in their face and being enthusiastic now to go out and knock on the door or make that phone call or send out the email or connect on LinkedIn and to keep going when things don't seem like it's going anywhere. But oh my God. that's a long winded answer. Oh man. No, I love it, Donald. You're like, you, you hit all the points. It's fantastic. And I love the energy. It's all good. That's <laughs> me. I warned them. Didn't I warn them? I <laughs> warned did. them that it was going to be high energy today. Um, but, you know, and I say this, you know, you're doing them a disservice if you don't yes. tell them, if you believe in what you do. And if you don't believe in what you're selling, then maybe you should sell something else, right? So <laughs> I don't know, it's just a thought. So yeah. I love that you put that all together, wrap that all together for them. And, you know, I got to come to the personal side of this. You seem yeah. like a super confident guy, right? Have you ever experienced a fear or um, a challenge that you had to overcome? And what did you learn from it? Yeah. So um, talking to, uh, talking to um, I would say, wealthy individuals or talking to executives, um, people who I saw as bigger or smarter than me, um, it was a challenge. Um, could I share a story before I dive into that? I love stories. Definitely. Right. Please, please. In my book, I talk about this, um, this, this experience. When I was in high school, I loved playing paintballs with my friend. Um, and paintball, you, the goal of paintball, you, you get shot with these, you know, little balls of paint and it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, but it does 
can hurt just a tad bit, um, but after a few minutes, it goes away. I went and played, and um, one of our friends, he has, his family has a big acreage and a lot of trees and a little wooded area, and there were about four of us, and he, we were out in this area, um, you know, playing paintballs. The I was so afraid. I had a nice new gun. It was beautiful and all that fun stuff, um, but by the time we got done that day, my gun was nice and clean. It didn't really fire. Um, the other guys looked like Christmas trees because they were decorated with like uh, paint, but I was safely snugged right behind the tree and the bushes <laughs> and hid the whole time. And the reason was because I was afraid, Heather, of getting hit by the paintball. Now that doesn't make paintball fun. The guys at the end talking about how they were in these firefights and running from the trees and jumping out and doing all these things like that was the fun. That's what paintball is all about. You getting out there and having a you know, you're not going to get hurt. You're just going to, you know, have me get a little sting for a, a, a minute there. But that fear held me back from get, getting involved in paintball and enjoying paintball. Now, when I did get shot, eventually I played an, another time of played and I was like, you know, screw this. I can't sit back here. And I got out in the firefight and I got shot. You know what happened? What happened? It wasn't even the end of the world. I sometimes I didn't much realize I got shot because I was wearing padding already. I was wearing the long sleeve camo. I had elbow pads, knee pads. So you don't even realize sometimes you get shot. But the time, if I did get hit, it didn't, it just stunk for a minute and then it was gone. Um, and that was it. And I was able to get back into the game afterwards. Life went on, but I had fun at the end of it. So that same concept applies to when, you know, overcoming those fears. So I was able to overcome that fear of paintball. Now, fast forward to this, uh, this into the business world now. I remember I started working for the software company. It was Boca Raton. And the, uh, we, I started making calls and we were at a list and I started reaching out to some of these bigger law firms and we did a document management and folks in the private sector. Um, and I remember calling this executive and I was so nervous, Heather. I was so afraid of talking to this executive because just like in all the movies, this guy was going to say, hey, you got 30 seconds to tell me about your business and why you're going to, why should I listen to you? And that's the pressure I put on myself. And I was terrified. And I remember making a calls and leaving a voicemail and, you know, making more calls, leaving a voicemail. And I know one of these days he's going to answer. And he did answer the phone. And I started having a conversation with him and this fear was just like overwhelming. And I, you know, I just wanted to get off the phone as quick as possible, but I can say that I did it or, you know, that I was, that I got him. And he, um, he told me that, yes, um, I was actually, he was actually interested in learning a little bit more. Um, and I was able to send some stuff over to him. And it wasn't until I got off the phone that I realized like, hold on, dude is interested, <laughs> but he's an executive. Why would he listen to me? And it turns out like, yeah, he's an executive at a bank, but he doesn't know anything about document management. Even though I may sell in for you know, six months doing this, I know more about document management than he does um, his entire life. He knows more about banking. He knows about running an organization, but he doesn't know this little niche. And that's where my expertise was. And I came to realize that all my fear of talking to these executives, all my worry was just made up because I built up this fear in my mind that they were going to be horrible. There's going to be a bad experience that I, the paintball was going to hurt me. I'm all of those things is what I put in my mind. But when you actually went through it and when I actually go through it and talk to him and we spoke multiple times, the deal didn't work out, but we spoke multiple times. 
and had a great discussion, but he valued my insights. He wanted to learn from me because he saw there's something that I could have. And that taught me. So that was a fear that I had. And now to this day, I'm, I get nervous sometimes when I speak to executives, but you know what? I know that I can handle it. I know I can work with them. And I work with executives from companies such as LinkedIn um, to companies such as HubSpot. Um, and I realized, you know, they're all human beings too. They put on their, you know, shorts, their dresses, their clothes, just like I do. They have family challenges. They have to mow the grass or get it, somebody to take care of it. They have kids going to school. They have family that has sickness and death and so forth. They're human beings. And if I can relate to them on that level and share my expertise and realize I'm talking to another human, it makes the conversation so much more effective. So I no longer have that trepidation and the horrible fear of speaking to executive may get nervous every once in a while, but I know that I could, uh, I could hang. And just like with paintball, you get shot once or twice, you realize it's not the end of the world and you keep going. And that's where the fun is. And that's what it is about as, as a sales rep is again, evangelizing that message, sharing a value and helping people to make the change. Um, I so love it. hopefully a story kind of correlates. Yeah, no, sense. it totally relates. And I love adding in a story because that's what people want to listen to. That's what draws them in. But the whole point is that, you know, it's not as bad as we make it out to be. We have mm. these fears, these beliefs, these judgments, these assumptions that hold us back. And then when we just keep moving forward in spite of them, we realize that it's not as bad as we thought. So that's a great uh, learning for you. But also I wanted to point out this executive um, was, was doing what executives do. Probably what caused him to get to the level he was at was he was interested. He knew what he didn't know. He asked questions. He listened to you. He, you know, so I think that's also an additional bonus lesson as to how we move forward and grow our businesses and grow our teams is by knowing that we don't know everything and seeking with a curious mind how we can learn and grow. Right. So I yes. love you just gave us bonus stuff. That's fantastic. <laughs> so we talked about challenge and fear. So let's now kind of do a, a 180. Do you have a great success story? Yes. Um, I would love to say, put a little note down for it. I, I think I would love to say my success story where I was able to overcome fear. Um, probably would say one that happened uh, last year. Um, I did let's say probably the past two years, I started off my company working with small and uh, small businesses. And again, go back to this idea, the fear that I had, Heather, was that I couldn't work with large companies because I don't know why. I just figured small companies, I've serviced them, you know, part of some of those smaller organizations. And I feel that those people will probably be more willing to take sales education and had more challenges. And they do have challenges. However, oftentimes small companies don't have the most money and they, <laughs> they have challenges, but, um, but I, I, I pushed myself back against this and my mastermind um, I'm part of it with a few guys and they saw me in a different, they saw Donald as a different person. They saw Donald as like, yeah, this person has a podcast. This dude has these things that he's uh, you know, that he's doing interviewing and working with so many other folks. Um, and they thought that I was working with larger companies when I told them they're asked, why not? And uh, one of the things that I told them was just, I just don't feel that I could bring value to them. I don't feel like some of these insert name um, sales trainer that's out there that could really help out and really, you know, hit these large companies. But then something crazy happened. I got a gig with a large organization. And you want to know what happened, Heather, when I got inside? What? 
I saw that Oz wasn't who I thought Oz was. <laughs> you pulled the um, green curtain back. I pulled that green curtain back and I realized <laughs> that it was just like, you know, the same problems that the small companies had was the same problems the large companies had. Mm-hmm. The same people issues, the same difficulty and the same things that these, I remember one of the companies that I work with, um, it was really during the pandemic with this company, they uh, they connected with me um, through a referral, but they, um, their salespeople, they wanted to get some help with for going to enterprise accounts and so forth. And I said, yeah, definitely I can do that. I can help them. And we started working with them and I was giving them a little more advanced things, but then they were like, no, 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 no. We need that basic stuff. I need to know how to write effective email. I need to need to know how to use a phone. I'm like, bro, you guys don't know how to do that already in this large organization. They're like, no, we don't have that. We don't have the, the knowledge of that. And I'm thinking again, it's just going to be the small companies that face that challenge. Long story short, I was able to service this large company. Since then, I've been able to go back to this. And remember, we talked about the whole thing with HubSpot and, and so forth. I've been able to do partnerships with Calendly. I've been able to do partnerships with HubSpot, been able to do partnerships with LinkedIn. Since that um, since that time period, been able to work with companies like Yachtpo, been able to work with uh, New York, time, uh, New York um, Life, um, been able to work with Hair Club. So some of these larger companies, and what it, what it came to realize again, is that I, ju- I was the one standing in my way. So the fear wasn't necessarily the, the outside force or about getting shot or about the executive. The fear was just, can am I worthy? Am I capable of doing that? Am I worthy of solving these problems? And been able to, and now we've been able to do that and to work with these other larger companies. And it's like amazing to see that. So overcoming that hump and that success has been, that led to the growth of our organization. Um, and it's not that we don't serve small companies, we still do, um, but it's just, that I don't, that's not our major focus. Companies come to us, but we work for a more mid and larger companies and they come to us and we could solve their problems because I needed to have that belief. I needed to know that I have something of worth, that I was of value to them. And once I overcame that, Heather, man, it hasn't been the same. Changes, Everything it, changes, Donald? Everything changes. I love that so yeah. much. Now you brought up a couple of different times about um, how they're humans, you know, we're all the same, we, we have this human element. So yeah. I would love to talk with you about a passion project of mine. And that has to do with incorporating, I used to have two very distinctly pillared parts of me, right? So the personal yeah. um, seeking humanity, um, doing good part, and then there's the professional side, right? And so, you know, doing a lot with companies on change and leadership, But then I realized in researching more and talking to my clients more, there was a need to marry the two. And so looking for the humanity in leadership, the humanity in sales. So I'd love to pick your brain. Do you have a moment that you can think about that that speaks to the benefit of how when we interact with each other as human beings, when we do good, when we are purpose-driven, how yeah. that comes back to us. Do you have something in mind that can lead to that? Yeah, um, too many of them. I'll, <laughs> I'll put one, I'll give you, maybe give a couple. The first one, I want to point out a sales manager of mine in a past, her name's Lori. Lori, just like, you know, typical sales manager, she's, you know, leads the team, one of the best sellers at the time and so forth and did just awesome job. But something that made Lori a little bit more human was the fact that she cooks, Um and you're probably saying, what? Well, she didn't cook for us. But in the conversation, though, when I first met with her, she told me that that was her first passion. She wanted to be a, she wanted to do cooking and she was doing that. And then she, you know, the company that her friend was starting, you know, developing this company and needed help. And she came in as a sales manager to kind of help out from her sales experience. And uh, she started going down that path. 
what happened was by Lori telling me that, because I went into the meeting thinking that Lori is just like, you know, again, remember my view of executives was just like strong, strong you know, strong, uh, forward thinking and, you know, strict and so forth, but she was a human being. And that allowed me to have conversations with her. And she was very wise with that because what started to happen was in our discussions, in our one-on-ones, she started to learn that my wife and I was looking to, you know, eventually start to purchase a home or to save money and so forth. So she knew my why. She was able to get to the why because she was vulnerable, shared her why and what she loved to do. Then that led to me share my why and what we're trying to accomplish. And then that was able to help use as motivation. So she was like, Donald, you know, how are you doing with your goals? How can we help you to accomplish your goals? It wasn't like, you know, how are you doing on hitting your sales figures or hitting your sales numbers? It's more about how can I help you or how, how where are you at? What, what else can we do for you? And that human element, bringing that human piece inside of it, it made her a greater leader because now I wanted to do I wanted to do whatever Lori said. She said, jump over the brick wall or run through the wall. I was willing to do it because I believed her and trusted her because of the way that she treated me as a human level. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, on, as a human being from a human level. That made her such a better leader. And I, I look at some of the other leaders that we've seen in the past and that I've worked with where it's just all about like the numbers and money. You got to go out and do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Do it for me. And then, you know, just like, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to get fired. And I remember those fear-mongering organization. And it wasn't something that I was passionate for. I didn't go to work early. I didn't stay later because I they didn't tap into my human level. They saw me as an instrument for their outcome rather than seeing me, seeing the tool or the sales as an instrument to help in all of us to achieve our outcome. Um, Lori did a fantastic job of that. And the second one that I would say that I tie back to in the world of selling, like me working with clients and so forth. Um, I remember working with a large deal and I was able to work with Rick and uh, Car- Carter with a school district here in South Florida. Uh, and well, yes, in Florida, um, not quite mid, not quite South, but uh, I was able to work with them. And I, I remember when I did, I found out that Carter, his fellow Jamaican, like I am, he grow mangoes and I was able to connect with him on Facebook and he was the CFO at this organization. And uh, we started talking about his mangoes, not to bring my book into it, but he, he does, he grows mangoes. And we started talking about that and bring reminiscing about some of those things. And it was able to help connect on a human level. And I knew about Rick and Rick was, you know, retiring. And uh, when we had difficulty or when we had pricing issues or, you know, they needed to negotiate stuff, it wasn't that, you know, I'm just trying to negotiate with this company and the sales guy. It was more like, I'm going to work with Donald because I know he's going to work with me and try to figure out a way that we can make things happen. And I was able to close one, work with our company to close one of our largest deals working with that organization. And it was simply the fact because we got down to the human level and that was able to help me on a sales side and go back to Lori because she got to the human level. She was able to help me on um, a leadership side. And I'm a big believer in this, treat people like people rather than just titles or objects. And it makes a world a difference in the outcomes. Uh. Fantastic, Donald. We are so on the same page with this 100%. I appreciate that. You know, I am interested, you know, just like Entrepreneur Magazine, Success Magazine, Inc. Magazine, Forbes, in how your podcast acquired such great success. So tell me about how that worked for you. Yeah, um, I would say go back to the human level, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and there's some... I believe there's a uh, something luck is luck is the intersection where hard work meets opportunity. Right. Um, and there was a lot of hard work and there were some breaks as well. So when I started my podcast, there were four sales podcasts ish out there. 
And I was about to not start it because I said, there's no room for more podcasts. There's already four people doing it. Now there's like over 200 plus sales <laughs> podcasts. Crazy, right? Um, I'm glad I did. And when I started at that point, I just started to share stuff that was working for me, things that I like, things that were helping me. And I was able to be selfish as well as interviewing some of these executives and some of these authors and experts because they had a lot of wisdom that I could, you know, that could use that I could use in my sales effort. So one of my friends at the time, again, hard work opportunity, saw what I was doing, saw that my podcast was going and thriving. And somebody reached out to him and said, hey, I'm writing an article. Do you know any up and coming podcasters? And this was back in 2013. And he says, funny, you should ask. I know this guy. Um, name is Donald. 2014, yeah. And he said, I um, know this guy, Donald. I think you should connect with him. He connected with me and put me in the article. That article got then got pushed into... Um, he did a second article. So entrepreneur picked it, did it first. Then it went into um, Yahoo Finance and uh, uh, Huffington Post. Then the local news, we took that opportunity and we connected with the local news and told, and there's you know four of us, these four local podcasters are thriving, they're picking up. And the news ran a little piece and did that with us. And then from there, got a chance to get a little bit more accolades where people saw that, well, the podcast had been mentioned some places. Then another guy was writing another article and we got mentioned in a lot of these blogs. And then eventually someone else was writing something for, um, uh, for uh, um, Forbes and they reached out. So it, these opportunities came over years because of the work that we kept doing. Most people quit on their podcast about that six month mark. Mm -hmm. We're going on this year. I think it's going to be our ninth year of doing a podcast. Um, in December. So the point is like, because we've been doing it for such a long time, we've, we've been around the block, we did a lot of hard work and now we're getting more and more recognition, but it comes as a result of just like the sheer nature of not knowing how to quit. Um, I love that. The sheer it, so. nature of not knowing how to quit. That's fantastic. <laughs> so we just did our 150th episode. You know, we just kind of blew past a hundred and, and, uh, and somebody said, why didn't you do something special for a hundred? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize we were just rocking and rolling and flying through it. I'm like, okay, well, I got to do at least 150. So we did a little thing for the 150th, but hundred, that's impressive. Oh my goodness. So this is fantastic. I'm sure that people are going to want to check out that podcast. Plus you have yeah. an upcoming conference, your book. So why don't you take a moment now to share how people can reach you and how they can find out about some of these things. Yeah, um, I'll start off with the conference. If you're listening to this, the, you know, the conference coming up in a couple of weeks, and we do have a virtual pass. So this conference is called BizDev. And one of the HubSpot had a stat and most people see that when they did a surveys, the hardest part of the sales process for most people is the prospecting side, is the finding and developing opportunities. You know, many of us could close, many of us could negotiate, many of us could get the, you know, uh, present our solutions, talk about it, but getting people interested in it, developing pipeline it's tough and uh, salespeople don't like that part the most. So we said, you know, we're going to focus an event around this and being in South Florida, there are not a lot of events focused on business to business sellers. And I could wait for somebody to do it. Or I said, screw it. Let's just make it our, make our own. So we're doing a small intimate event, only a hundred attendees max that's included speakers and uh, you know, sponsors and all of that stuff. So a hundred of us, it's going to be downtown West Palm beach where I'm uh, I'm from and um, it's going to be one day. And each of the session is focused on workshop based. We did a survey and people said, we want stuff that we can get a chance to practice and implement. So every speaker is going to give their session more of like a, 
with uh, practical things that you can learn. And then also they said they didn't want things you can go and find on a Google search, which I totally approve and agree with. So these are things that are proven, that are working, that these consultants, these authors, these experts, um, sales leaders are using and seeing on their teams and they're, um, they're implementing. So we have LinkedIn, they are our main sponsor for this event, and they are speaking about the state of sales and some of the things that they've learned from their data and the research that they're collecting, they collect tons of data. So they're able to share some of this information with us and we're excited about that. And um, yeah, so it's, it's um, one day, June 24th in West Palm Beach. And if you need a virtual pass, we'd love to have you get it. And um, for listening to this podcast and being here, you know, we'll give you, um, give you guys a, a special promo code so you can get, uh, make sure you get a little, um, a, a little shave, some, some shave about a hundred dollars off of it. The original wow, price. We are so open to that. We'll, we'll make sure for those of you who are listening, don't worry, we'll put the link into the show notes. So go ahead. What else are you going to say? Yeah. And then uh, my book's called Sell It Like a Mango. So this is just launched on May 17th. Um, and it's with Sound Wisdom as our publisher. I grew up in Jamaica, as I mentioned. And uh, one of the things that I saw was that people sell the same exact product in Jamaica. A lot of folks are selling mangoes or selling fruits, but it's not like the fruits is coming from another country. They do probably get some imports, but we have all that stuff growing in Jamaica. Why would you go buy it somewhere else? So if the product is coming from the same area, from the same region, what's going to separate one person from another? What makes one mango seller more successful than another? And it's not the product. It's the individual. And the same concept I saw in B2B sales when I was selling software, like people are selling the same thing as us. What's going to separate me from them? And it was a way that I brought the value to the table. So as a seller, we have things that we could bring that separate us. And the book points out 10 things that we can do to stand out from our competition. So sell it like a mango, a new seller's guide to closing more deals. And it's how sellers, B2B sellers and can stand out from the competitors. So if you want to check out the book, um, you can go to the salesevangelist.com slash mango. You can get the first chapter for free and um, also purchase it there. And you can go to salesevangelist.com um, as slash biz dev. And you can check out the conference there. Both pages, you'll get a chance to see um, our podcast as well and get uh, links back. So if you check out either one of those pages, you'll get back to the podcast. And we'd love to have you all come out and uh, check that out. Promo code that is, is Heather. So if you guys use promo code Heather for the event, you'll get a discount there. So. Appreciate it. Always love working with someone who's going to give our listeners a little extra something. Thank you so much, Donald. Of course. Okay, so it's time. The show flew by, as it always does. We got lots of great stories and information from you. What are your final parting words of wisdom for our listeners today? Final parting words of wisdom is this. Life, life is absolutely amazing. However, we're not going to live forever. What impact are you going to have on the world during that time period? No one's guaranteed what that time period is. And we can't allow something like fear to hold us back from accomplishing and enhancing and benefiting others and leaving a legacy for our posterity and people who are coming after us um, and people who, you know, who, who, we, who look up to us and, and seek to learn from us. So I'm taking every single moment and living it to the best and doing all that I can. And I can't let fear stop that because I have too big of a legacy that I'm trying to leave, too big of a vision that I'm trying to accomplish. Somebody's going to do it. Why not you? Why not me? So go out and don't let fear stop you. That's my advice. Okay. You all are probably on the edge of your seat, ready to go, go do this thing, <laughs> you know, leave your legacy. If you love this show, please share it with a friend, get it out there into the world and leave us a review. We love those. Thank you so much listeners. Thank you, Donald. You've been amazing. Thank you.